Hello and welcome to the I Get Buggets podcast. My name is Simon Harrix and I am your host and I'd like to say hello. Welcome. This has been a long time since we've recorded last, probably about a year at this point, maybe a little bit more before the start of last season and I do not have to remind anyone, I think at this stage, that a year is a long time just usually, but a year is a even longer time when it's 2020. So it is very exciting to be back talking to people. It's it's going to be a little bit different now. Um, I guess usually we have a guest on, but it's been hard to, to, to get the motivation up to talk about basketball. So I'm going solo at the moment and I'm loving, I guess, having something to look forward to and all basketball fans look forward to with the NBA season coming up just around the corner now. Um, November 23rd, time Australia, so just before Christmas, um, a lot of reasons why I think they want to get for Christmas and conflicting opinions about uh, getting us on track, but I think overall, generally, we're just going to be excited to, to have a season, and um, fingers crossed that the season happens um, as close to normal as could be possible, so I guess on one hand, it feels like it's been a long time since we've, we've talked basketball, but on the other hand, maybe the Lakers only just really won the championship in, in, in a lot of people's minds. So um, it, it's an interesting time, but I guess we're going to just kind of try to, to update you um, with short little bursts of, of me kind of talking into the microphone every week or so and trying to get uh, a guest to come on, talk about a lot of things, um, just up-to-date stuff, um, I guess, today. I thought it was really uh, poignant to just get on and talk a couple of trades. We've got the draft in a couple of days now. And, of course, one thing that we really focused on, I, I get buckets, is fantasy basketball. So um, we've had, obviously, the, the playoffs happen and actual basketball, but fantasy basketball hasn't happened since um, March when, um, I guess, the OKC, I think it was, versus Utah, maybe, with the Rudy, Rudy Gobert incident happened. And um, it was a shame that a, a lot of our fantasy um, listeners and and people who would be heading up leagues and, and ready to be launching. We were in week one of our playoffs, so everything kind of got shut down and, and no finals or, or winners announced. So we're going to be looking forward to that. Um, we'll talk, talk about that later. I guess first, it's going to be just a, a bit of a, a play around me going solo, but we'll hope and... I'll be crossing my fingers that I'm not saying I'm um, too much and everyone's getting a kick out of it. But I think it was it was timely to kind of get on and talk stuff before things slip too far away. I guess the NBA new schedule changes so quickly, especially in the lead up to the draft and now that trades are open. So it's important to kind of to jump on and, and, and talk about stuff while it's a little bit relevant. Um, so I think we're just going to get straight into it. The, the main topics in waking up today um, is always interesting from an Australian perspective. Um, if you can wake up and get the Woj bombs on everything that's happening and it's it's just starting to, to get into that kind of daily, I guess, excitement um, with the NBA calendar now that trades are open, that Woj bombs or sham bombs are back. And this morning was a really good um, feeling to kind of wake up and, and hear a little bit of news. I know we had the Janice Schroeder kind of agreement with the, the trade happened a few days ago, but this felt like the first uh, domino in potentially a sequence of dominoes to come with the Phoenix Suns trading um, Chris Paul, or receiving Chris Paul, sorry, from the OKC Thunder in exchange for Rubio, Ubre and some picks, I think, with the headlining stuff for that. Obviously, there's a few other pieces thrown in. But um, it's interesting getting the, the, the gauge around... Well, how people um, thought each team fared 
in, in the back end of this trade. But I think for the most part, um, Phoenix will kind of needed to do something a little bit. Um, Booker, obviously, is on the back of an extension and has threatened to leave um, if, if things don't happen. So I know Robert Siver at the Phoenix Suns really want to get the momentum of going 8-0 in the bubble, which um, we can talk about if, it's, if, if we feel that's real. But I think what is the perception that it has to be real internally for, for the Suns in terms of selling hope to their fans and, and to Devin Booker that the, the Phoenix Suns are a Western Conference playing team next year and um, that they can really go forward to, to make noise. I know the Western Conference is stacked and there's been conflicting um, reports about where this kind of puts them in, in the standings for, for next year. But I think short-term, the best thing to get out of this is it makes them better. Um, there's a lot of talk about how this opens up DeAndre Ayton in the pick and roll, about Devin Booker playing more off-ball, being able to get better shots. Um, I think if we can take the, the example from OKC, um, I think it, it's an interesting kind of piece that Chris Ball can come in and gauge what you know Phoenix Suns are doing in terms of what makes a winning team and what it makes to, to win basketball. And I think we've seen um, that... Ricky Rubio, as, as sad as it might be, given what we kind of would have thought about him in, in his early days and, and coming over from Spain, you know, playing as a 17-year-old in the Olympics and, and, and thinking he might be a real franchise-defining player. But we know on, on you know, enough sample size now that he, he doesn't turn the ticker as much, especially with the modern NBA kind of tuning, turning into a way where, you know, three-point or lack of three-point shot is really exposed um, and I think as, as much as I and a lot of people think that Oubre's got a real kind of uh, array of NBA level skill talent as a, a 3 and D kind of wing athletic explosive guy, um, I think they saw at least in a small sample size in the bubble that they can definitely win without him and as excited as I am to see him on OKC and I think he's a, a really good kind of asset to have with a manageable contract that um, Cam Johnson, uh, potentially, if they bring back Saric. There's other guys that they can really kind of play flexibly um, if they want to switch kind of O and D up for the Suns. So even if Chris Paul, and I mean, this is the big ticker, even if he's a 36-year-old um, getting paid an astronomical amount of money, um, I think where the Suns are placed, what are the options are out there for them to really become a better team and, and make playoffs next year. I, like, I, I don't think um, you think you can be hamstrung with, with that contract or, or with what um, Chris Ball can bring to the table. We've, we've seen now and again that this unmovable contract of Chris Ball has been traded twice in two seasons. So I, I really don't think that you burden your team in a way that you can't still be flexible moving forward. But the avenues to success or to at least winning um, what may be, you know, 30-plus games in a shortened season um, upcoming, you know, that, that pathway becomes a lot more clearer with Chris Paul on your team. We've seen um, how he can kind of work um, with a three-point guard offense and it'd be interesting to see what the Suns want to do. But I think short-term with, you know, your options that the Phoenix Suns might have... Um, I just don't think you can be too negative about you know teams wanting to be better, and I we've mentioned a lot of times on the on the I Bet Get Bucket podcast, but I think 
there's this perception, and sometimes rightfully so, that you're either a championship aspire team or you're nothing, and there's there's no real benefit of being in the middle. But when you open to yourself up to, to, to being in a position where you're winning basketball games, I think doors become, um, or there's more doors for you to open in terms of, of building on your success. And, and sometimes definitely you can burden your team with you know assets and everything that you don't see a pathway to success and you, you kind of have to kind of bottom out. But the, the, the clock is on with, with Aiden and Booker and if you fix yourself into these two of bringing you at least a, a level of success where you want to be within a shot or, or pleading to other free agents or, or um, players that can give you the next step. Um, it's important to get yourself on the radar um, and Chris Paul does that for you. So I'm obviously a little bit scared <laughs> um, in terms of uh, the production he can give you and you'd really want to bank on his, you know, I think NBA th- third team for, for Chris Paul last season with the OKC, which is crazy. So if he can bring you any type of um, talent near that in terms of bringing what we all thought was a almost lottery team to, you know, playing finals and, and pushing Houston to seven with OKC. If you can do that for the Suns, um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. And then on the other hand, I think there's reasons to be optimistic OKC too. There's It's hard to get a win-win trade, but when you're on uh, almost different levels of um, timelines in terms of building your team. Um, it really feels like OKC are, are doing, I guess, the right thing. I know it's going to be a different team than next year, sorry, last year or last season even when we talk about the three-headed monster, two of them are already gone in, in Shea Gilgis-Alexander becomes, you know, the the big piece that we see future talent or, or aspirations kind of coming around and now what is it, 17 um, first-round picks in six years to to either trade or try and get someone to, to build around him. If you think that's your cornerstone, I, I don't know if he is, but he, he he's a piece that you can at least start getting fun with, I think, and the OKC obviously are taking a step back. But Ubre is a fun player. Um, Rubio fills a hole. Um given you've shipped out two-point guards. And they can get a little bit fun with it, and they've got so much insurance um, and second chances here that they their options are almost as plentiful as any team in the league in terms of building. And with Sam Presti, it almost feels like the OKC um, trust the process, but instead of bowing out and crossing our fingers, um, he's already kind of done the, the hard work with moving or flipping you know, Chris Paul, Westbrook, and... Um, Paul George from, from last season to to all these options moving forward. So it's going to be good. This is only the first one of hopefully many things we can talk about and um, it'd be interesting to go more deeply into each team as we move forward but um, I like it. I like it for the Suns and I like it for the OKC. Um, I guess we already we just went mentioned Westbrook is the other um, team who went from, from OKC to Rockets and they're doing a lot of different things at the moment, which um, are being reported, all of which very interesting. So there's a couple of trains of thought with um, the Houston Rockets, and it's interesting that we've gone from Westbrook almost asking for a trade and Harden saying that he's, he's so much 100% in on, on what they're doing and what they're building to potentially turning down a 
hundred million dollar two year extension to to wanting out and proposably wanting to go to Brooklyn. So a lot of things to talk about um, with the Brooklyn Nets and Houston, but I think they really need to kind of make a decision on on where they're going. Um, there's been a lot of you know things said about the the Rockets owner being really hurt or impacted by COVID, given his main source of income is from uh, restaurants. Uh, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much, you know, the, this factors into it and what they're, they're looking forward. Obviously, we're not privy to all that information, but the, the thought must be crossing their mind, especially with the new coach, with the new GM, about when the right time is to hit the button on the reset or when if we're we're not doing that if we're looking at it through the the veil of the championship of busts um do we try to sell high on on James Harden and get what we can i think the extension um offer at least signifies me that they're very much happy to to buy into James Harden knowing that they can build an offense around him that gives them uh a playoffs basically and that they, they're, they're happy kind of rolling the dice and, and being in the conversation. But if it gets to the point where he's really wanting out and it's feel, it feels like it's starting to get to that point, well, how much is, you know, the upside on, on, on keeping him around? And do we look at OKC as almost the path to... I mean, it, it's interesting because Houston just kind of gave away some of their picks to get Westbrook, but... If they look at that now in the blue market and say, well, it, it hasn't really worked. We're not sure of the roadmap forward. Um, if the new GM, the new coach, and Stephen Silas think a little bit different, then we can jumpstart our, our our rebuild by moving these guys on. Even if it's Harden and just Harden, um, then Westbrook might become a little bit more happy with this scenario. You can um, play the couple of years that it may take to, to, to restock some of the assets by um, using Westbrook to, to, to become or keep relevant and, I guess, get some kind of excitement still in Houston. But I guess we can go straight into to the scenarios with Brooklyn and I only really see one avenue and it's it's very much the, the AD Lakers scenario where um, we don't want to get rid of him, but if you can... You know, restart our our rebuild with a an array of young tantalizing picks on good contracts. Then that's the roadmap forward, and we'd entertain that thought. Um, it, it it seems it seems so so similar to the AD one, and obviously the offers that have been put out there and and spoke about are that Brooklyn, if they're interested, and there's a lot of talk on whether they should be, but we'll get to that. The offer has to be and surely starts with Karis Levert, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and probably Torian Prince. And then upwards of one to how many picks it may <laughs> take to get them to say yes. Obviously, there's a, a point where you would have to just say no, but we've seen in the examples of um, both Anthony Davis and Russell, Russell Westbrook or Paul George Moore, um, that teams are almost more than willing to, to sacrifice the future and put up a, an enormous amount of picks that you would see would you would would say is um, just borderline reckless. But um, 
I just I think there's there's a real good scenario in terms of the Clippers and the Brooklyn here. And as soon as Kawhi Leonard um, signed with the Clippers and forced them almost to say that I've got this two-year contract with a player option, that if you're going to do this, you're on the clock for those two years and it's almost a win now or um, it's depth, like it's win now scenario. And with with how the Clippers lost this year, it's it's almost panic stations already in terms of what they're looking at in if things don't go right in this upcoming season and I feel sorry for them because you can potentially blame a little bit of it on on COVID um no one foresaw the the season that we had but now they've got one year to 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 really do it and if things go haywire and break down and end the way it did this season then there's an obvious scenario where both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard um, cannot be with the Clippers the year, year after. And not only do you swing and miss on the two years that you've gone all in, that all your picks are gone. Um, and that's almost the scenario that, that Brooklyn would be staring at, preparing uh, trade offers for Houston. And that's because um, there's there's a two-year window here. Kyrie Irving and Durant are both on um, three years left on their contract with player options on the last year. So the window is for two years. This is the time to do it. Um, the clock started July 1st, um, 2019, when, when Kevin Durant and both Kyrie Irving decided to come over. Kevin Durant just turning 32, Kyrie Irving 27, I think. Um, the time is now. Now's the time to do it. Because you've got those two guys in free agency, you haven't had to give up any of your other kind of core. Um, obviously, they have to let D'Angelo Russell walk but um, or sign and trading with the Durant one. But you still have a lot of assets with you. And um, I think it's worth kind of really looking at, at, at what those assets would do for them in this upcoming season and, and where the benefit is of, of bringing in James Harden. So I think there's... There's, you can sell yourself on on saying that you don't need James Harden. There's only one ball. You lose your depth. There's a lot of sacrifice that could um, happen with you trading. But I think um, in a vacuum, looking at LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis lead the Lakers to a, a championship with kind of bit players and the way that Contavious Caldwell Pope was able to play, um, what they got from Rondo. Like I, I really think you could sell yourself on building a, a roster around stars um, with big contracts and, and thinking that a lot of it will will kind of just settle in and, and I guess make its way to you being in every bit way what you'd think a, a harder Durant and Irving team could be. Like I think there's ways of you as a team being scared or as a fan, being scared of, of what you don't know in terms of how they're going to mesh together. But I really I really think we've seen numerous examples of, of star teams to say that, you know, if they set the example and it's, it's, it's this stars league now where the stars get paid the money and there's, there's people who, whether it's a mid-level exception or, or other like fair deals around for less on your rookie deals and stuff, but... You know, there's a real wide gap between your your middle aged like or your middling um, paid players and, and your stars. And I think the train of thought from a lot of teams are is that you spend all that money to get the stars, and we can fill out the roster in a way 
almost looking at it from a money ball perspective where we can get a cheap rim running um, center. We can we can try and see on the free agency market if we can get these like older veterans who can come in and, and kind of play their specialty or, or grab a, a 3 and D wing from somewhere. Um, there's, a, there's a train of thought where you can really sell yourself on this. And I think it's interesting if we want to go through the players that they have potentially on the, on the trade table one by one. Um, I think there's a real scenario that right now Karis Levert is at his highest trade value in terms of what he, as a net, I can obviously see examples where he goes potentially to, to the Rockets or whether it be the Pelicans in um, a holiday deal or, or anything like that where um, he's almost like unlocked and unleashed and, and you see the best version of Karis Levert from an NBA basketball playing standpoint to a fantasy standpoint. But I think in what he's worth to, to Brooklyn and how he fits in around Kyrie Irving and Durant, obviously he is uh, a secondary ball handler. But I think the arguments on, on you know, there's only one ball and all these players um, you have a very high usage rate. I think Brooklyn Nets have seen the best version of Kyrus Levert when he's got his, the ball in his hands. Um, and... I'd sell myself on, on him fitting with, with Kyrie Irving if I had to, and I think there's a lot of good arguments to say he's going to be a real important piece for them this year if he stays, but I just think if, you, if you're looking at kind of trading him on the deal that he's got and you're getting James Harden now, is it's probably the, the, the good time to kind of sell him because you've had that sample size of him um, in the bubble. You know, he had that game where he scored 50 points against the Celtics, his trade value and his contract is, is, is potentially at its highest point. If he does struggle during the season um, towards the um, the trade deadline, you know, he, his, his trade value might have a bit of an in- impact. He, we know he's on a really good contract. Um, I just think that we can get in love with the value of, of Levert around the others a bit too much when we're talking about someone who's clearly, you know, top five in the league in James Harden. And the the biggest selling point from the Lakers, you know, trade last year and what we said throughout the year was, you know, the Lakers have two two players in the top five. Um, however you want to do your, your top five, your top ten, but that was the argument. And I think it's, it's very easy or clear to say that you can say that. And obviously they go on to win the championship. And, and here's the same almost argument that he said, well, Kevin Durant and, and James Harden, both healthy, is a, a top two players in the um, top five in the NBA. And you throw on top Kyrie Irving, and, and we can work it out. If if Kyrie Levert is the shining light or, or piece in this deal, which I think he would be, um, I think I think now's the time that you, you'd really want to kick the tires on something like that, especially because Kyrie Levert is a little bit older than... Um, you may think he has a bit of an injury history. Um, you know, he's 26 years old. We can, I think you can really sell yourself <laughs> on bringing James Harden. He's not the, I mean, I'm as big a Karis Levert guy as you'd, you'd see, but I think there's there's real um, logic and method to the madness in terms of, I don't think you should be crying that, you know, your, all your depth is gone if you had to make this trade. Obviously, Torian Prince um, would probably have to go to make the money work. Um, Dennis Spencer Dinwiddie is 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 the other big one. Uh, he's been 
your Kyrie Irving insurance and an absolute um, workhorse and fan favorite from the team. I think, given you know how he's he's done for the past past few years to kind of prop them up. But I I think James Harden almost gives you that injury insurance, and and that's the other thing, in terms of the ball usage. Like Kevin Durant, they've they've said they may not be playing. He's not playing, you know, 32, 33 minutes um, from day dot. Um, Kyrie Irving, you know, missed so many games last season. Um, James Harden has been, historically, doesn't miss games. And I think, you know, there's that injury preservation kind of mindset that if they want to kind of get these guys through a season, potentially a winning season, we know it's short of 72 games, and then when the rotation's, you know, get shorter in playoffs. That's when we do our business. That's when we work. Um, I think you can cover the likes of Spencer Dinwiddie, especially if you stagger the minutes of Kyrie Irving and um, James Harden. That you you employ almost like a Lillard McCollum scenario where you ideally want one of them on the court at all times. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, does have a player option for next season as well, which giving his you know signed for twelve million a year that you'd think you'd be giving up. Um, just checking. Yeah, he's on $12 million, um, in his player option in 2021-22, which is almost a similar scenario to Jared Allen. So, I again, big Jared Allen fan, but I think we've moved into a modern NBA where uh, a rim-running um, center who can dunk and block shots is almost ideal. Like, they, they like this kind of um, player, especially if you want to put around with guys who've, who've got enough shooting, but you don't want to pay a lot of money for one. Um, I think Jared Allen becomes expendable if, for whatever reason, right or wrong, I mean, I'd tell you maybe wrong, that DeAndre Jordan is earmarked as a starting center. Um, obviously, you can say a lot of bad things about his contract, but you need to keep in mind that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both signed for less, so he could be afforded that contract. So um, the money doesn't hurt as much, I think, if you're looking at it from that way. But he, they want to play with these guys. You, you, I think you have to buy into that, whether Steve Nash <laughs> will have the same problems as Kenny Atkinson um, pushing Jared Allen as, as the starting center. I think it's almost... Accepted that DeAndre Jordan's your guy. They've got Nicholas Claxton in, in, in the wings who they drafted last year who could potentially um, move up to, to fill a bit of a role that way. So I think they Jared Allen's due an extension as well, which makes him, unless he wants to sign for less money than they've, they've got available, makes your decision a little easier there. I think... As you, as you all come down to, to do it, I'm, I have no problem trading away the depth if I'm the Brooklyn Nets because I think you can feel confident that with free agency, you can top up um, some of the areas of need, whether with, with ring chasers or, or people on the, on the market. Obviously, they're going to be capped out, but they have they have room to move. They have, they have things that they can do and be inventive, and it would be important, obviously, for them to try and go over into luxury to, to keep uh, Joe Harris. Um, but I, I think that's a no-brainer. I think they'd do that anyway. So to have a starting five of you know potentially Kyrie Irving, um, James Harden, uh, Durant, and DeAndre Jordan, and Joe Harris was it's an NBA championship um, 
winning team really for me on paper. And that, I mean, I know the biggest thing is like it's not 2K sports, it's um, real life. And I think the biggest issues for them is going to be chemistry and, and fit and working with the new um, coach and Steve Nash and all these uh, legitimate questions that need to be answered. And um, I don't think anyone has the answers at the moment. They're, they're the biggest problems for me. Um, and if you um, can say that bringing James Harden in only exacerbates things and puts you on a percentage chance of, of things falling apart, then that would be a, a big red flag. But I think without the, the knowing of the intricacies of um, how the players you know, feel, I, I, I just think it, it's, it's hard to know that. And it will all go down to how many future picks they want to throw in um, to make it worth Houston's while. Um, but we'll, we'll see. It's a bit of sit and wait on this space. So The next is just the draft. So from an Aussie perspective, I think it's interesting now more than ever with social media, we're getting a lot more information about um, some of the draft players. And I know this draft's been a long time coming. So if you're like me, you know much more about the top 20 here than you've ever known before. Um, and I guess it's even laid again on top of um, some of us being able to, to see LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton play in the NBL League the, the past year. So I guess it's going to be really interesting. Everyone's question um, on the lips is, is where LaMelo is going to go. I think that's obviously one of the most interesting wrinkles to the the draft that's coming up and um, scheduled that he might go from anywhere from one down to potentially eight, which would would shock me. But yeah, I guess for me, just really quick thoughts. I, I'd really be interested in Minnesota's um, take on, on him at number one. I think the reasons for uh, are clear, um, given that he's, he's a player that obviously may not reach the heights that um, others may, and there's a real question mark on, on his fit as a, as a long-term star in the league, but his skill set, is unrivaled, it seems, from most of the top 10, especially his passing. And I think Minnesota's in a really weird position with um, Carlton Towns and D'Angelo Russell that I feel like a, a swing on someone like Lamella Ball, if things go right, really can kind of catapult them into a discussion in a meaningful way that they've never been since the days of Garnett. So it, it, their roster's kind of built in a way that I think you can really sell yourself on a, a swing or, or miss player like Lamello. Um, we've seen D'Angelo Russell potentially been able to fit more off the ball, and I think he can kind of you, you can patch up some of the inefficiencies of Lamello ball shooting, and um, that's only really going on the projections of, of how he shot the ball um, in Lithuania and up until you know the Wollongong Hawks at the NBL. So. Like he he can improve his shot, but we know his passing um, could be a, a a gem of of something that really makes the the Timberwolves interesting and harder to play. And I just think um, I keep going back to the clock's ticking. But I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, they've they've got someone that two years ago we thought they would be in the playoffs. Obviously, Jimmy Butler um, scenario blew up in their face and they put them back. Andrew Wiggins' contract, you know, really kind of um, hurt as well. But I just, I, I keep looking whether you go Anthony Edwards or, or James Wiseman. I mean, obviously, you can't go wrong in, in a way. But um, 
I, I, I've talked myself into Lamella Ball in a massive way, and I already have, and I just think Minnesota Timberwolves, I wouldn't be surprised if they take him, and I really think um, if he doesn't go there, I, I, don't, I don't think he fits for Golden State. Um, it makes it weird. I guess Charlotte, it, it's fine, Charlotte. I haven't really got anyone that I'm too excited about, but I, it's going to be really fun. That's my only really thought. So I have, you know, RJ Hampton mocked from anywhere from 15 to 30, so we'll see where he fits. Um, but I just think the Timberwolves could could really sell them on a scenario where it's boom or bust time with the, the ages of, of, of Cat and Russell to build their core. The West is so stacked that there's no point, oh, no, not point, but, you know, drafting in Anthony Edwards, if things go all right, you know, where does it put yourself as a team? Whereas I look at Minnesota Timberwolves and say, well, if Lamella Ball can come in and do, you know, the things that everyone's kind of selling to you as a potential number one pick, then he becomes a, a, a game changer, someone who's, you know, exciting, people want to see, and which is what you want from a, a number one pick. And it's a bit of a shame that the Timberwolves didn't get the number one pick last year, but um, that's really, really what I'd love to see. I'd, I'd like to see them have a shot. Lastly, um, it's a real, real confusing time with NBA fantasy basketball, but it was interesting just to see the ESPN um, fantasy basketball websites kind of update their page to say that they're, they're working on getting things every every ready um, for us, but if you're, if you're, Similar to kind of the way I've been looking at it, 72 games um, this season, it's going to be interesting how condensed that's going to be because it's going to impact the weeks of, of finals you have leading, leading up to playoffs. So I know most leagues will run you know your 18 to 20 week regular season schedule. Um, and if we push back to 72 games, you know that's at least... Um, You'd think about a month of the schedule, given we are, you know, we're already going to be a month, almost two months behind. How condensed they get, and if the fantasy website gives you an option to play potentially, you know, five game rounds or five day rounds, I should say, instead of um, seven day. I don't think that they'll give you that, which makes me think that most leagues are going to have to really look at how they condense their schedule and maybe. Um, play with some of how many weeks you have your player options or your playoffs, I should say, to condense that to really um, give everyone in your league as many weeks of real basketball that we've been craving for, for a long time. So um, watch this space. Um, I'm really interested to see if they have a floating schedule, which has been touted, similar to the AFL, if you followed that this season in terms of they'll announce the, the schedule in blocks, which makes it hard unless we get... And I'm sure that will give us an end date for us to kind of put it together. But it makes it harder in terms of looking at um, some of the scheduling for players for free agency and um, the wave wire in, in picking things up. I know they'll probably favor teams like the Lakers uh, and Miami Heat with softer schedules earlier and maybe back in some of their games. Um, but on a whole, I think we're all just excited to be able to have a, a, a normal draft in the, the next few weeks. And... I think it's going to be a more crazy year than we've ever had before in the, you know, the 15 years that I've been doing fantasy basketball in terms of a question mark over our top 10 and even top 20 now in terms of, I guess, Luka Doncic. Where do you put him? Obviously, he was had such a good season. 
how far is he going to rise up people's boards? Kevin Durant, when he went down with injury, I think a lot of people would have had him as the best player in the world. Um, and it's hard to forget that because it's been so long, but he was that good when he, when he went down with injury. How, how far, how, far up is he going to go on people's boards? Um, if we do get a three-team um, super team with, with James Harden, um, where is his value going to go? LeBron's come out on record saying he's going to take it easy for the next month or the first month. Um, bit tongue-in-cheek, don't know how serious to take him, um, given that a lot of people wrote him off last season as, as being too old and, and taking a bit of a backseat and then finishing so high on people's player rankings at the end of it. Um, but where does LeBron go again? Cat, um, I just mentioned, he was top five in, I think, most leagues. Um, but we haven't seen him play for so long. Are, are we still thinking he's a, a stat machine? I'm just, I'll do a, a more full-on um, fantasy update, I think, when we get closer to it. But I think it's going to be really interesting um, and the most interesting we've had a fantasy draft, especially at the top end, in a long, long time. So... Watch this space, I think is the main call. But um, just going through, I think that's really it for today. I just want to quickly kind of jump up and give a, a bit of a test to get back in the flow of things. Um, hopefully it kind of comes off all right and I'm, I'm ready to kind of dust off the cobwebs and go back more often. But thanks everyone for, for jumping in and giving us a listen. Um, I chose an awful time to jump off all of the social media sites, given that during lockdown, it wasn't doing too well for me. But um, we'll try and push this out as, as, as much as we can. But if you have subscribed, um, please tell people we are back. Um, we're going to be talking all things NBA as we go into the, the, the Aussie summer and um, across the time. And hopefully a most put-together season that you could hope for <laughs> in whatever way that happens. But... Um, Thanks everyone, and we'll be back soon. I'm sure. So it'll be um, good to be. It's good to be back now. It'd be good to be back soon. So thanks everyone, and I'll catch you next time.